welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I'm talking with my friend and fellow podcaster, Dan Hepner. What's up, dude? Hey, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> Excited to have you on again. It's always a fun little romp of who the hell knows what we're going to talk about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so how was your podcast, Leftover Army Monsters All Out Attack, coming along? <laughs> well, I mean... Those were all the words that are in our uh, podcast name. I don't think they're all in the right order, but you know. Fuck, I said it with such confidence, too. (laughs) I mean, look, it's it's whatever, right? You know, it's (laughs) because the whole point of it is a play on the fact that, like, Japanese movie titles, especially for, like, kaiju stuff or tokusatsu or, like, you know, Power Rangers or Kamen Rider just are completely insane sometimes, where it's, like, <laughs> great decisive battle, the superior Ultra 8 brothers. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> well, what is the actual name since I fucked it up then? Leftover Army Monsters Giant Podcast All Out Attack, which is specifically a play on one of the more favorited uh, Godzilla movies from the Millennium Era, referred to as GMK, which is, the full title is Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack. I love it. <laughs> which, again, and again, you're like, what? What is that? What is that? <laughs> like, there was an Ultraman movie. It was the first Ultraman thing I think we covered on the show that is called, from 2009, Mega Monster Battle, Ultra Galaxy Legend, colon, the movie. <laughs> You gotta love it when they put the movie at the end. That felt like such, like, an 80s move. Oh, it absolutely was. I mean, think about 86. The Transformers, TM, the movie. (laughs) They got two thugs in there. (laughs) But it's because Mega Monster Battle Ultra Galaxy Legend was the name of a show that obviously preceded with Ultraman historically a lot of times, even going back to, like, the originals in, like, the late 60s and, like, 67 and everything. You'd have the series, and then they would do, like, a movie that kind of, either if there was some stuff left undone or just to, like, you know, get in some more of that fucking audience or whatever, right? And as the franchise has gone on and on, they eventually amalgamated everything into, you know, a big, ridiculous, as everything ends up doing, trying to make everything into one continuity, and it's more confusing in certain levels than the DC or Marvel comic universes. Possibly the two of them combined, even. (laughs) And so you always end up having these movies where you're having multiple different Ultramen coming in, and there's weird crossovers and this and that. Maybe sometimes you're in an alternate reality where Ultraman doesn't exist, but the TV show did, so it's like our world. But then, like, actual Ultraman shit happens. Like, it gets ridiculous. Yeah, Ultraman is one of those IPs that I know absolutely nothing about, besides that I know you've done lots of episodes on Ultraman stuff. (laughs) Uh, well, we've done four different seasons and then a movie up to this point. Uh, we did the original Ultraman, then the second series, Ultra 7. Don't worry, it's very confusing. His name is just Ultra 7. Just, that's that's how it is. Uh, and then the third series, Return of Ultraman, uh, which is a different Ultraman. than that's So he's not technically returning, but you know. And then uh, the 2006-2007 series, uh, Ultraman Mebius, which was the 40th anniversary of the franchise. So it was kind of like that That particular series is my personal favorite because it's a real fun greatest hits. And like they had gone in the 90s away from like the Showa era stuff to where like Ultraman Ultra 7, Jack, Ace, Taro, 80, 
they were all Leo. They were all like referred to as the Ultra Brothers. And since his continuity has kind of reformed in a weird like Christ on Infinite Earth kind of way that sometimes happens. But it's there's so much goddamn lore because it's been going on since 66, 67 till now. And so there's just too much of it out there. <laughs> and, so in a nutshell, like what is Ultraman? I mean, it's the same premise as any of your, like, transforming superhero stuff that you get out of Japan, like Power Rangers or Johnny Sacco or Kamen Rider. It's a lot of the, it's all the same general premise stuff of, in this case, it's Ultramen are a species from the M78 Nebula, so hundreds and thousands of light years away, that basically they have these superpowers. They're kind of like the Green Lanterns, but giant and cooler in a way. And I love Green Lantern. It's where they patrol the universe and, like, stop alien invasions and monsters that are on the rampage. And, like, you know, if a, if a Krypton situation is about to happen, right, they try to, like, evacuate the planet or fix the sun or something. And it always takes place on Earth. So Earth ends up being, over time, this kind of, like, when you graduate from, like, Ultra Academy, like, if you're, like, the top student, you get sent to Earth because, like, it's their favorite planet. And so then they... The Ultraman comes to Earth and has a human disguise host and joins whatever iteration of this world's Earth defense forces are. They go by many different names. And, you know, it's an episode of the week kind of thing with a couple overarching plots mixed in throughout of Monster of the Week or Alien of the Week, some crazy, wacky adventures, and then some fucking Megazord battle time. Huh. Yeah, right on, dude. Yeah, that... I always learn so much when I talk to you. <laughs> like about a walking Wikipedia. The, <laughs> about just the most useless stuff. <laughs> it is a fun superpower to have, isn't it? It is. I mean, I wouldn't even call it a superpower. I would call it a problem. An addiction, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> As I take a swig from my beer. <laughs> and I have my vape pen with me. So, you know, I've got a few of them. A few vices. <laughs> hey, sometimes you just need something to get you through the day. And if that's Ultraman, a beer, and a vape pen, I'm with you. I mean, you know, sometimes. Sometimes that is the combination required. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's ultra, like, it's become a thing in, like, Ultraman lore. This happened later on, much later on in, like, the early 2000s of, like, the reason Ultraman keep coming to Earth and there's so many different Ultraman that come to Earth is because before they were big silver giants and warriors of light, they looked like humans. But, you know, same way like Star Wars has humans, but they're not Earthlings, right? They're yeah. Tatooinians or wherever the fuck they're from. Same idea. But then like 300,000 years ago, their fucking sun exploded. Like it pulled a Krypton, only it didn't blow up the planet, but they're like, we got no sun now. So their scientists built this artificial sun called the Plasma Spark Tower, but what they didn't realize was the radiation off it turned them into this, into these fucking giant warriors. They're like, well, we have this huge power now, and with great power comes great responsibility. Someone said that, some kid in Brooklyn or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Queens, right? <laughs> yes, Queens, sorry. <laughs> Captain America's from Brooklyn. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but so they just decided... You know, they will protect the universe from bad people. And also, we really are fond of Earth because they remind us of who we were before we became this. 
Right on. Yeah, I mean, that that sounds right in place with any other sort of like comic book canon and shit like that. Yeah, exactly. Like if you if you dig comic books, you can dig Ultraman. It's goofier, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not that far off. It's in the same ballpark. Yeah. But it's the weirdest like inside the park home run. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, I've, I've still been just knee deep in Batman lately. It's like that's all I've been consuming. I'm. I'm still working my way through all the movies with my um, my oldest son, my 14-year-old Aiden. And um, we just finished the Nolan trilogy. It was the first time that he'd seen it. And that really blew him away, especially following up um, the Burton films and the Schumacher films. And then going into the Nolan trilogy, it really blew his mind. So it's oh, pretty yeah, cool I mean, watching yeah, him experience is- that. It is some whiplash of like less than 10 years between Batman and Robin and Batman Begins. And that total difference is huge. Now, I said, did you start with the movies? Did you start with the 66 Adam West movie? I asked him if he wanted to. And he was like, I don't think so. I'm like, well, let me show you some greatest hits just to see what you're missing out on. And so I showed him the the some days you can't get rid of a bomb scene. Uh, and then the, the shark repellent scene. And he was looking at me like, what the fuck are you showing me right now? I mean, look. That's still one of my favorite Batman movies of all time. I mean, that was the one that I used to go and rent on VHS when I was a little kid from the local library. Um, so, I mean, it's we, one that I definitely watched a off, lot. We recorded it off TV, so we had the VHS, but <laughs> not an official one, of course. <laughs> Commercials and all. It's, I don't know, Batman's gone on a pretty interesting journey in in film and TV from what I've been watching so far. Yeah, those purple gloves in his first outing. People forget about that. The what? It, like, his first appearance in the comics, he had fucking purple gloves, like the fucking early Undertaker costume. <laughs> and I haven't gotten into, like, reading any Golden Age stuff like that. I, I think, uh, shit, maybe the oldest, what would have been the oldest stuff that I've read? Maybe, maybe, like, Death in the Family and, and stuff around then was probably about the oldest that I've gotten into so far with my with my reread on comics. Okay. Um, are you going through this whole bat phase because of the new movie coming out? Is it tied to that or just a lucky happenstance? Well, I, like Batman was the character who really got me into like buying paperback trades. And, and it, it was he was like my my main doorway into comics. Yeah, he's and, a lot of people's weed. <laughs> exactly. Batman was my gateway drug. and And so I've got all these storylines that I just haven't you know, revisited in years just because, you know, there's so many comic books out there to read. And so then after watching the Batman and just loving how much closer to the Batman and the comics the, that they portrayed the character as in that, it, it made me want to go back and, and reread those. And so I started with the books that were kind of like the big inspiration for that film. I started, I reread year one and then the long Halloween and then hush, sure. and, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of going through it all right now and then watching the movies with Aiden and um, so we're into the Snyder verse now. And I was like, OK, well, you know, we're going to have to start with Man of Steel, which there's no Batman in it. But, you know, it's it's better just start here than starting with BVS and giving you the cliff notes of what happened in Man of Steel. I mean, the cliff notes of Man of Steel are still kind of brief. You can get that through in like three, four minutes, I feel like. Yeah, well, that and I just wanted to show it to him, too, because I, I'm a I'm a big fan. And it'd been probably a year or two since I'd watched it. I still like Man of Steel. I just, 
everything, pretty much every single thing that has come afterwards has soured it kind of like by proxy. It's poisoned the well for me a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Our next one that we'll be watching, probably watch it sometime tomorrow is going to be BVS. And I, I haven't gone back and rewatched that in a long time. Now, every few months or so, I do pull up that warehouse scene on YouTube and watch that because that is some fucking fantastic live action Batman footage in that, it is. in that brief little scene. And it's just in this absolute turret of a movie <laughs> in a way, you know, the thing is like, you're not wrong, but like, I mean, everything it's surrounded by, by the rest of that movie, a big problem, but also like, and I think this is, there is just a translation of Batman from either comics or cartoons to live action that just, doesn't work for me because and it's not their fault because batman will knock a dude will like throw a crate and knock a dude through like three windows in a comic book or an animated series and i'm like yeah batman fucking get him he does in live action doesn't matter who it is but does anything remotely like that in live action i just go you just murdered that man don't kill it Like, I think it's just the translation of what he does on the page and in the animated series onto live action. It's like, no, that's murder. Like, it really is. Like, (sighs) (laughs) See, there was some great scenes kind of a la that in this new Matt Reeves movie where for a split second I was like, oh, fuck, they did another Batman that kills. And then, like, you go back and you're like, no, they're hanging in the air. They they didn't just fall to their death. Like, he he did have a plan. (laughs) (laughs) See, and I, I still haven't watched it. I have no intention of watching it. See, that was the stand that I took with Joker. And I still have not, to this day, watched that movie. Everybody has one of those. I got a buddy, Brandon. <laughs> For him, it's Logan. Because he was so fucking sick of the X-Men series. And he was so fucking sick of Wolverine being the lead character in every single one of them. He's like, no, I refuse to see Logan. <laughs> and I'm sure... You know, everybody's saying it like it's the same thing with this new Batman. I'm like, oh, but it's the closest they ever gotten. It's amazing. I'm like, like him with Logan. I'm being upset. They're like, don't care. <laughs> and like right now, it's a matter of like, I'm just sick of it. And part of me is like, I'll get to it eventually. But like if people like with Brandon with Logan keep like insisting to me, I have to go watch it. It will then turn into no now i will never see it out of principle and out of spite <laughs> dude i do that too that was like with um uh what was the fucking government musical one that everybody loved hamilton like that one got hammered in so hard that i'm like now the, i'm purposely never gonna watch it <laughs> the fucking government musical <laughs> what a way to describe it am i wrong <laughs> no but i don't think I could ask a thousand people to describe Hamilton very briefly, like three words, and I don't think anybody else would have done that. <laughs> that was a very unique and hilarious. It's one of those like describe a movie poorly yeah. kind of a thing in like one sentence. It was very much that the government musical. Also, I mean, musicals don't really do it for me either, and like, but like. I think part of it is like a bit of like self-loathing that goes into it because I'll watch it. And then one of the songs will get stuck in my head and I'll keep singing it. And then it drives me fucking insane. <laughs> I uh, mean, they all, that's the point, right? Is to have those earworms that just fucking dig into your brain. Like the, 
critters and Rathacon, right? <laughs> like, you're yeah. highly susceptible to suggestion. God, I've been horrified by those things since the mid-80s. <laughs> oh, man. Little earwig things. Amazing. Oh, I love those things. They're fucking disgusting looking. So simple, too. But, like, yeah, no, I don't want that anywhere near my ear. No, or fuck that. Of me. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we all have one of those, either, yeah, for you, Hamilton, so forth, and everything. And, like, it does just become a matter of, like, foolish, arrogant pride at that point, eventually, if people keep insisting. You're like, no, fuck you. I will go to my grave to spite you. <laughs> it's like, like, for all of us, like, grow the fuck up, me. Come on. Oh, yeah. I wonder if it's just a holdover, like an adolescent holdover for me being like counterculture during my formative years to where now if there's like a whole shitload of people that really like it, a part of me is going to rebel and be like, I can't like this. Well, and that's kind of what it is for me with Batman. I'm just fucking sick of him. Like, don't get me wrong. I will always love the character. I will always love my favorite interpretations of him. Uh Batman Begins is great. Dark Knight is a great movie, but I don't think it's a good Batman movie. The Dark Knight Rises, less than about the better. But like the Adam West series, and then of course the uh, Bruce Tim verse of BTAS and Justice League and all that stuff, all the animated stuff from the 90s and early 2000s. Like that's that will always be about Batman, and I'll always love Batman. But like it's just too much. Like. It happened around, like, 2008, 9-ish with Deadpool in just general pop culture. Now, obviously, the movies didn't come out until much later. But, like, you know, fucking comic books everywhere. He's in so many video games. Everybody's cosplaying him at every single convention you can shake a stick at. And, like, it's an oversaturation of a character. And for me, the problem with Batman is that just because none of the fucking movies ever get it right. None of them do. Like, again, Batman Begins, I feel, got the closest, but still a decent distance off from the mark, you know? Yeah, like, I mean... For you, they won, it, for me, wins first place by default, but that's not, <laughs> not a great, you know, measuring stick. It's pretty low bar. You can definitely step over it. Yeah, Batman the Animated Series is, like, the pinnacle for me. If, if, if you want to watch something on TV and get a feel for... You know, what is Batman without actually delving into the comic books? Batman the Animated Series is the closest you're going to get to the comics. It's well, so you know. good. It's oh, the, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the second greatest animated series globally, includes anime or anybody else, the second greatest animated series of all time. Ah, and so what's your number one? Avatar The Last Airbender. Okay, and see, and that's one that I haven't watched, but I've never heard a bad thing about. It's... They are extremely close. But for me, Avatar edges Batman out because it is a full story from start to finish. And there is progressive character growth with multiple different arcs for each character. Obviously one larger overarching one, but a little bit smaller ones peppered throughout. And like they will learn a lesson in like episode five of season one. And then a situation where that would come back into play again comes up in like late season two and they remember and they take an action based on what they learned previously in season one. 
Oh, cool. And, like, it's very, very smart, very well written, and greatly acted, amazing animated. You know, like, the first half of season one is... Because it, it was all from Nickelodeon, right? It's so, like, the first half of season one, it has more of, like, that, all right, Nickelodeon cartoon, you know, bits and moments to it. But there's still heart there. And then by, like, the second half of season two, it kicks off. And by, like, mid-season two, it is, like, serious heavy we are dealing with incredible like big fucking real stakes and we're not talking down to the audience about them either and just like plenty of times where like the heroes just have to retreat and it's like we just lost today nothing we can do and that- batman batman is because that it just ekes out batman by like small amounts it's a photo finish <laughs> I've kind of been dipping my toes into the world of anime. I started watching Demon Slayer on Netflix. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good one. Like, we live in... On our show, when we covered uh, the series uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion and then the uh, end of Evangelion movie that ended the series, uh, we talked about it several times. I had my buddy Chris on there. And me and Chris, we've been friends since third grade. So it's been 30 years (laughs) Nice. Which is insane to think about. Good lord, we're old. Or it's been 27 years. But, like, it, it, you know, we've we talked about that show multiple times of, like, man, it is so nice for people nowadays because anime is everywhere. There was two places when we were teenagers where we could find anime, either at our local comic book store and limited selection or Suncoast video in a fucking mall. And someone ha- and a parent has to drive us there. God, I haven't thought of Suncoast in years, dude. <laughs> Suncoast, Sam Goody, uh, EB Games before that, Babbage's and shit. Like, oh, man. <laughs> See, I'm still getting used to the, the overall, I don't know, like the presentation of, of anime. How like especially with Demon Slayer because there's times where it's like so real and gritty and other times where it just absolutely feels like a kids show and but but I I you know the, the, I'm I'm realizing that that's just like kind of the style of anime that you know it, it can be like a, a really dark kind of gritty serious presentation and still have moments where it's just. I, I don't know, but it's it's just so different from from the the sort of presentation of stories and stuff that I generally watch. It but goes it, to from a serious melodrama with like high stakes to like fucking Charlie Chaplin in a heartbeat. Yes, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. You're not wrong, and yet that's just what anime is. Like there are some out there that are not like that that will either just be goofy or just be serious. But like, yeah, they all for the most part, across the board, it's that weird whiplash, and it's just a cultural difference, right? Because they're appealing to a different audience because they're cultural differences, and, like, these are shows meant for to be enjoyed. They are all-ages shows, so they are meant for, like, the 9-year-old to the fucking, you know, 27-year-old parent or whatever, and, like, it's it's why most of the main characters in the shows are fucking teenagers, right? And... We had plenty of that growing up, but it was mostly live action, right? The cartoons were, like, really weird and crazy when we were growing up as kids, right? Because it could be the Animaniacs, or it could be the fucking Ninja Turtles, or it's 
fucking robots and transformers or you know there's all biker mice from mars sure whatever you know, like insane shit right it's a weird so there wasn't always necessarily a connective to the cartoon aspect of like ah i am the main character and so i'm supposed to cipher into them but we had that in live action stuff right of like slightly older kid shows uh, you know saved by the bell and so forth right yeah yeah yeah, so like they just, it was a cultural difference. Like the cartoons for Japan appeal to the teenage audience as opposed to just the young kids. That's why they're always, you know, 14, 15 year old man characters. Yeah, because I mean, because when I was younger, I'd seen, you know, anime like movies that were just all serious. Like you know, Akira, Arm yeah. or the Miyazaki stuff. Yeah, like like Ninja Scroll and Vampire yeah. Hunter D and Fist sure, of the North yeah. Star. Like, there, there's nothing really yeah. silly in any of that. But with Demon Slayer, it, it does bounce back and forth. And but you know, I'm getting used to it. But yeah, dude, B- Batman has totally derailed me from watching that because now in my downtime, I've been rewatching episodes of the animated series. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! I bought the Blu-ray box set when it came out. I bought the special edition and everything, so it has like the art book and everything. Oh, nice. Yeah, I had looked at those a while back, and and but yeah, it's uh, they're pretty much all streaming on HBO Max, so that's where I've been watching it. See, and it's so stupid because like I buy physical media still, but ninety nine percent of the time I watch something, especially if I physically own it, unless it's for the show and can't find it anywhere else. There have been plenty of times for the podcast. I own the physical copy of the movie, but because I'm fucking lazy, I will spend the $2.99 to rent it on Amazon. (laughs) I own it! I already paid for it! In some cases, up to three different times! (laughs) Because I've owned it in VHS, DVD, and now (laughs) Blu-ray. And I still will just fucking hit, yep, rent it on Amazon. (laughs) And now digitally for a 24-hour window. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I can wait up to 48 hours to watch it, but once I do, I have 24 hours to finish it. Oh, dude, I, I saw online that you lost one of the big ones in, in your uh, yeah. in the Godzilla world. I, I was really sad to see that. Yeah, I, I, I was going to bring that up at some point because we talked about it. We recorded for our podcast last night, but that episode's not going to come out for like another two months. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> I love your release schedule. You always have so many in the can. <laughs> Look, I've been trimming it down. We've had a lot of, like, in the last six to eight weeks, we've had a lot of scheduling issues. So we've had at least two weeks where we haven't recorded at all. And my, my you know, my hopper of episodes and that had been recorded but not released yet was, like, up to 10, 11. I've trimmed it back down to, like, 6 slash 7 because I release the episodes I try to on the day that we record. So there's a couple hours where it's down to six and it goes back up to seven. <laughs> I'm like a little kid at Christmas. I get one recorded and I just can't wait to get it out there. <laughs> and I always, right. Well, the thing is, I, I kind of enjoy the wait sometimes because I also like to then, you know, like I did for you when uh, you were on Mechagodzilla 2. I, you know, hit you up like two months later, three months later. I was like, hey, you're the episode you were on is finally coming out. <laughs> I know, I laughed at that. <laughs> but I've turned it down. We're at like, you know, six weeks between episodes and everything. But <laughs> so, but getting back to point and everything. Yes, uh, we learned yesterday on March 17th, 
2022, that on March 14th, uh, Akira Takarada, uh, Toho Godzilla and Kaiju icon, passed away suddenly at the age of 87. Um, sad. It's real sad. I mentioned on the show, with his passing, the last connection to the original 1954 Godzilla is gone. He was the last one left alive of, like, the main cast, crew, and people responsible for it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because director Ishiro Honda, he passed away in, like, the 80s. Uh, the producer of Toho for a long time, Tomiyuki Tanaka, he passed away in, like, the 90s. Uh, A.G. Subraya, the effects guru who created all that stuff and went on to create Ultraman and everything with his own production studio, he passed away in, like, 1970, 71, uh, Akira Fukube, the composer for the infamous Godzilla score, he passed away in like 95, late 95, early 96. Uh, the lead actress in the original movie, Momoko Okochi, she passed away in 98. Uh, Akihiko Harata, one of the other main leads in the movie, he passed away in like the late 70s, early 80s. And Takarada was kind of the last one standing for a long time. Man, that makes me think of like stuff like Star Wars, and I got really sad <laughs> thinking, well, fuck, man, that first Star Wars was filmed a yeah. long time ago. It's not yeah. going to be too long until we're in that Carrie's position. gone. Carrie's gone. Ah, I know, and that one, I mean, every one of them is hurt, and... Yeah. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm so glad to see Mark Hamill still getting, you know, staying so busy and being in so much stuff. And in, in, in his voice work has always been, you know, just second to none. And going back to earlier conversation, he plays the main antagonist of Avatar The Last Airbender, Fire Lord Ozai. Oh, he does a voice in that? Yeah, he's the main villain starting oh, in season shit. two. Oh, shit. Damn, dude. That, it's, it, yeah, he's the, he's the final boss of the series. Dude, the amount of times that, that I've been like, I really should watch that show. And then I think about what a big undertaking it would be and then I just don't. <laughs> it's all look it's only 60 episodes which <laughs> look you're getting into anime you know how long some of those things fucking last yeah well that was what i kind of liked about demon slayer i think i had asked brian i think it might have been on a patreon episode of, of pop culture leftovers and i was like what would be a good anime to start with and, and he had recommended that one and then there was another one that he recommended me also that's even newer that it's like a, a oh vi- see i i would like go the opposite one. way i would go the opposite way i would start with some old school stuff because i'm old school anime person i don't watch like current anime not because like i have a thing against it i don't feel it's the same anymore as it used to be but i'm also just i'm old and i don't have the fucking time and like <laughs> i don't i don't have a connection anymore to lead characters being 16 years old no, like, that's I'm true. over 20 years older than him at this point. So it's like, I just, but like dude, the ones I connected with as a kid, I still do. So I would go back to some old school ones because also a lot of them tend to be shorter. Cowboy Bebop, perfect example. The Netflix uh, adaptation, uh, live action, had come out a couple months ago and everything. It already got canceled, which is unfortunate because I thought it did a relatively good job. It was as close as you're going to get, but it's only 26 episodes. It was from like the late 80s, early 90s. It's considered one of the greatest of all time, and it is one of those animes you absolutely should watch dubbed. Not Japanese uh, voice actors, but the English voice actors. Because it's a spaghetti western in space. That's the premise of the show. 
the lead characters are all bounty hunters. So, like, most episodes, they're like, watch a bounty hunter show that's like, you know, uh, it's prime time or whatever that's uh, screened across, like, the extraplanetary extranet or whatever. And it's like, howdy, amigos, fucking, here's today's biggest bounty. And then they go after him. And sometimes it works out. Yeah, that show sounds pretty cool. I'll have to put it's, that one on the list then. Cowboy it's Bebop. one of the great, it's one of the classics and considered one of the greatest of all time. And then Neon Genesis Evangelion, my personal favorite, the GOAT for me, one we've covered on the show, is also only 26 episodes. That one is not necessarily a, like, entry level. It's weird. Yeah, it starts off as like, ooh, cool giant robots fighting crazy alien monsters. And then it turns into a whole fucking other thing. Yeah, I'm trying to find Cowboy Bebop right now. I'm pretty sure like it's on Funimation. Yeah, because right now it's just wanting to bring up the, the Netflix series. And it's like, no, yeah, that's exactly. not what I want. Yeah, just Cowboy Bebop anyway. Hold on. Ah, it's streaming on Hulu and on Netflix. Is it just yeah, one season? Go. Yeah, 26 episodes. That's it. There was also a movie that came out afterwards, but the movie isn't to like tie up loose ends like I was talking about with like Ultraman. It's a like standalone movie that just happened somewhere in that 26 episode run. Oh, that's cool. Like, the movie is just an extended, this would have been an episode, but, like, we didn't come up with it at the time. <laughs> That's kind of like how Mask of the Phantasm feels with Batman. Like, it feels oh, like absolutely. it just kind of fit, just, it just slots right in there pretty much anywhere, you know, there in that. Is, there is technically, and there are people, I don't have the exacts of the, like, specs of it, but there are people who have very closely and carefully picked over the Bruce Tim versus like Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond, Zeta Project, like all that stuff, right? And have like put together a concrete timeline. So like oh, nice. there are people who know exactly where Mask of the Phantasm falls in like <laughs> chronology of the DC animated universe. I was like, I don't even think HBO fucking Max knows <laughs> what order those things should go in. <laughs> Well, and there was always a thing of, like, those shows, specifically, like, Batman the Animated Series, where, like, season one, there are multiple things that nowadays, every release, like, the first episode nowadays is, like, Christmas with the Joker, but that was, like, aired in, like, episode eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, I know they're not in, like, the original air date order, which is weird. They're in what I think was supposed to be the production order. Oh, okay. See, I've never really looked into it that close. I've I've just been thankful that the content is just right there and so easy to watch. Um, Right? Like, fuck it. These first three episodes are mixed up. Whatever. (laughs) And again, because early day, they're especially they're standalone, even though they had some great two-parters like uh, the the Red Claw Lady and like the first appearance of uh, Clayface. That was a two-parter, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, the two parters are great. I just watched one of those earlier. It was um, the introduction of Batgirl. Sure, yeah, that's a really good one. Robin's Reckoning to kick off season two is a really good one. Yep, yep watched that one the other day. And then there was the two part uh, Ra's al Ghul uh, sure, episode. Yeah, yeah those, those are really good. Oh, what is the one I'm thinking of? Which is funny, like, some of the one offs are still, like, the greatest ones of, like, Heart of Ice or uh, Freeze's first episode in uh, season one. 
or Almost Got Him. Oh, oh Almost Got Him is a great one. It's my favorite episode of all time because it's so different and so it's an amazing premise of just the villains are playing poker around a table talking about it. Yeah, I almost killed Batman one time. <laughs> God, and like I will still to this day quote, even though it isn't actually Killer Croc, it's Batman in disguise, but Killer Croc going, I threw a rock at him. <laughs> it was a big rock. <laughs> Oh, you brought up Justice League and Justice League Unlimited earlier, too. Those are some of my favorites. Oh, yeah, because that's all the continuation of Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series. And, yeah, it, like, it does so much great stuff. The, the Season 3 Cadmus arc in Unlimited is amazing. Yes, yes, it is. Like, because that's the culmination of all this stuff. Because, like, in the Doomsday Sanction episode of that, when, like, they're evacuating the island from the volcano and then doomsday breaks out of cadmus and fucking goes to kill superman like one of the characters in there is fucking professor milo and he's a dude who was like the one-off episode in season one with the dude who uh was turning into a werewolf like that's that dude oh nice and so like it's crazy amounts of that season ties up like everything that's happened behind the scenes of like Volcana and Superman the animated series and that was a whole part of the government project the earlier Justice League uh, season episode with Joker with the uh the the Royal Flush gang oh, I love that and, like episode. that all ties into like Cadmus stuff too yeah the Cadmus stuff is real fucking insidious and um I like the way they worked all the Cadmus stuff into Young Justice also I thought that was a really great series I'm not current on it um but really really love the first season of young justice yeah i haven't caught all of uh season four yet that came out a few months ago i've watched a couple episodes but uh me and my roommate t we usually try to watch that shit together right and she's been extremely busy um but like i've watched the first three seasons i've watched the first two seasons numerous times and yeah like young justice is amazing and i'm so glad because you know so often whether it's animated or live action, this is a show that, like, has a lot of potential, right? And is really cool and, like, has a real cult following, but it gets canceled because, like, lower viewership. Because they keep, in Young Justice's case, they kept shifting around when it was airing. So, like, week to week, you'd be like, all right, this week it's Thursday at 8.30 p.m. And then the next week it's at Sunday at 6.30 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, that shit makes it difficult. Was Young Justice one of the ones that was tied in with toy sales also? Aren't they all nowadays? I mean, is, it, that does feel like the case. Because, yeah, it definitely was. Because I think that was why the original Teen Titans got canceled and then replaced with Teen Titans Go. Well, but the Teen Titans, but there was a long stretch of time between those two series, right? It was, I think they wanted to originally continue teen titans and then instead went with teen titans go because of well the toy sales there was like a good seven years in between those series yeah and, so it and, wasn't like an immediate like replacement thing but that has happened plenty of times with dc stuff like the uh 3d animation green lantern series had one season was gaining viewership and then was canceled to be replaced by something i don't remember fucking what i think another fucking batman show <laughs> Teen Titans Go is something that I wanted to hate, but my kids loved it. And so it was always on. And so then I would get sucked into it. And then I found after a while, I was like, no, this show's really kind of brilliant. 
It's it's like this weird mashup of like Teen Titans and like Ren and Stimpy type humor. And like if you if you open yourself to it and really watch it and just with this like I like this keep it firmly in your mind I'm not watching anything that is a serious take on any of these characters that I hold dear to my heart and just go along for the ride. It's really pretty fucking funny. And I've seen odd bits and like a whole episode here or there randomly when I'm with other people, right? I'm like at someone's house or uh, we're at a convention. They have it on in the background of the TV or whatever, right? It's like I've seen bits and pieces here and there. And yeah, it's it's DC. I mean, it's kind of like an Aquatine Hunger Force kind of a situation. But like it's more like modern day stuff like Steven Universe or Rick and Morty or that kind of thing. And I just... I am not connected with that kind of humor anymore. <laughs> so like, I can acknowledge it's funny. I just go, huh, that was clever. The, uh, the episode where cyborg is obsessed with a, uh, like a, uh, this song called night begins to shine is one of my favorite episodes. He's just like super pumped on it and he loves it so much and plays it all the time. And the rest of the teen Titans are just very much over it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking great. And then they come to find out that it, like night begins to shine is like the source of his power and he needs to embrace it to be able to rescue them all. <laughs> oh, of course. It's There's fucking awesome. Some goofy, like <laughs> tie it all together like that, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> or the one where him and Beast Boy are arguing over whether bur- uh, burritos or, ham- or burgers are better. <laughs> That's fucking classic, too. I thought you were going to say they were going to have an argument of, like, what constitutes a sandwich. So I'm sure that's probably been in there at some point. That that sounds like a Beast Boy Cyborg uh, discussion. The fucking song that Cyborg has, it's like, bun, ketchup, pickle, cheese, throw that patty in between. It's burger. What? What? It's burger. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> also, uh, I agree with him. Burgers are superior to burritos. Dude. It's up to your own. It's up to your own taste but for me burgers are superior yeah i love both of them but yeah burgers will edge it out like i could fucking live on cheeseburgers and you know probably die young but <laughs> <laughs> like i fucking love cheeseburgers dude with my job i made a concerted point today to not go to a burger place for lunch while i'm working uh, as I, I had mcdonald's for supper last night and it was so disappointing it was just like burgers that just tasted of salt. <laughs> it was fucking unreal. I, no, I, I, I want you to understand something and drink this in. You just said I had McDonald's for supper, not I, dinner. Supper. Supper. Like <laughs> it was a choice. <laughs> all right. Like that just reminds me of my grandpa when I was like nine years old, and he was like, you know, it is mid to late 60s at that point he was like yeah you like to go to wendy's with me because he wanted a frosty it's <laughs> like, a real old man trying to recapture some youth but yeah fuck up like a frosty turned to <laughs> dust in your fucking mouth <laughs> well it'd been a long time since i'd had like a mcdonald's double cheeseburger and so i was like i, I wish i could say that and i was like i was like i'm gonna get one and it's gonna be good and then like with the first bite i was like this is not they're Near as good as the, uh, the cheeseburger that man. I cooked on the grill, you know, like last week in my backyard. <laughs> so it was pretty disappointing. <laughs> the the fucking nice. fries were awesome. But. Must be nice to live in a place where you have a backyard that you can grill at. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
I don't. Yeah, I, you, I couldn't get by without it, dude. Ha- you haven't been to my place, have you? Yeah, because no. you always show up at like just Sunday or like just Saturday. Late afternoon Saturday. Yeah, just Saturday on C two E two. Yeah, is that going to be the case this year too? Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> like the bu- on, the man. budget's tight, and it's like it's so expensive to stay overnight in Chicago, and so You're it's like I can wrong. usually only afford one night. You're not wrong, but I kind of you know what. I think the leftover army should start a Kickstarter. Oh, no. <laughs> Just so you can be that you and the missus can be there for the whole fucking weekend. And your kid's old enough now. He'll appreciate it. So fucking bring your 14 year old son. <laughs> and see, I'm more excited for like the hangout than like the, the, the con part. It, I agree. It, and so see, it's like, I don't know if I can bring my 14 year old to the hangout. <laughs> I mean, probably not. <laughs> Because I agree, yes, right? Oh, God. Because I wanted to be like, just, fuck it, then just stick around till Monday and fucking come to my place on Sunday night because always, I always host anybody who's still around on Sunday night at my place. Because I'm, like, closer to O'Hare or Midway than the fucking McCormick place in the surrounding area is. Oh, nice. I know. I always feel that. I always have that FOMO that, that I'm missing out on that part. Oh, then you get there on Saturday and you just hear all the awesome stories that people had on the night before. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, I always miss out on all the Friday and Sunday shenanigans. I mean, FOMO is a thing. Yeah. I mean, but I, I enjoy the chiller atmosphere of the Saturday night, even though it's at a bar and it's super fucking loud. But I prefer the Saturday night and I really enjoy the Sunday at my place. You know, I it's the diehard people who are there and I get... It's a chance to really, like, really talk to some of the people because they, like, everybody, it feels like in my case, because I'm hosting it at my home, everybody, to some degree or another, makes sure to, like, take a couple minutes to just, like, talk to me. And it kind of feels like I'm the godfather. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it because it's a nice sort of hospitality. Because, like, you know, it's amazing that you host fucking just all of us here who's still around. Like, you know, I figure, why the fuck not? Like, I, I do it because, like, I think it'll be fun for people. You know? Yeah. And we, me and Eric and several of us that we've been talking about for this year, I do have a small, it's a small Weber charcoal grill because my patio is about, like, three and a half by six. And then it's a retention pond. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, A, I never have to worry about flooding. I don't have a basement anyway, but still don't have to worry about flooding. But, like, it means I have no actual space back there. But Eric has been talking about, you know, hey, you know, I, I asked him, like, hey, bring all your, like, cooking stuff. Because, you know, Eric's always showing off what he's grilling and so forth over the weekends. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, hey, you need to do that Sunday night. He's like, all right, I'll bring the stuff I need. And then me and you will go pick out meat. I'm like, I'll pay for whatever the fuck meat you want to fucking cook. As long as I get a piece of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'll do Sunday instead this year. Because Yeah, come Sunday, stay, leave Monday. And, because if you know, you, you're I mean, further away from the city center also, so that means hotels are probably cheaper near you too. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. There is a mo- No, literally... A maybe two, two and a half minute drive from my place is a fucking Motel 6 at, and it advertised at $60 a night. Oh, fucking sold. Dude, and also, this might be a win-win by Sundays. Also, the, the cons aren't as busy, so I could still get away with going to the con and not having it be 
the crushing press of Saturday where I'm like, why am I here? <laughs> you and can't also, even fucking walk through Artist Alley. Yeah, Saturdays are always a problem at any convention because that is the prime time, right? But also, pro yeah. con tip for any convention, Sundays, if you see stuff when you're perusing the, you know, the Artist Alley or the merchandise stuff, more so the merchandise stuff, and you see something, you're like, oh, that looks really cool. It's a little bit out of what I would want to spend for that. But if there's multiple of those and you're not afraid, like, okay, that's a one unique item that's going to be gone by Sunday, you wait till Sunday, you go back, you can almost always barter down the price a little bit. You're not getting half off, you're not getting a third off, but, like, if it's a $50 item, you can haggle them down to 45 and feel a little bit better, especially if you're buying something else that's at a much cheaper basic normal price right like sundays are always good for those deals because they don't want to ship all that shit back they want to have as little merchandise they have to box up and ship back to wherever they are going whether that's to the next con or to home so they're willing to edge a little bit off a of price and not have to spend an extra you know 300 dollars on another pallet to ship back yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah, artists less so much because obviously they have less stock. There's less bulk and space involved in their shit, right? But, like, the merchandise stuff, it's what I always do for, like, larger ticket items. Uh, I usually wait to buy my the Gundam I will buy at a convention until Sunday to do so. Because I'll be usually be able to get a little bit cheaper if it's still there. And I know which ones are going to still be there. A Gundam's like a mech, right? Yeah. It's a giant robot piloted by a usually teenager because anime. <laughs> Dude, what was the computer game that was super popular in the 90s? Was it called Mech Warrior? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember playing that where you'd like design your whole mech and it was customizable and shit and then you'd go out and do battle with it. Oh, yeah, I was always Clan Wolf. <laughs> yeah, dude, those 90s computer games were a fuckload of fun. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, what were some of the other ones? There's MechWarrior that I played. Mist. Oh, yeah, Mist was a lot of fun. And, like, old school, God, like, EverQuest. So and there was so much back then in the day, man. Like, it was... Oh, man, I miss those times. Because, like, I played a lot of computer ports of, like, shmups which are like the bullet hell games where you're like the plane, right? And you're, it's vertical scroller game. You know what kind of game I'm talking about, right? The vertical scroller? Where you're just like a fighter plane and it's just like infinite bullets filling up the screen. You're just blowing up everything in the way. <laughs> okay, yeah, like, yeah, 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 I gotcha. Like Galaga style where they're coming down from the top of the screen. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of those. And I also played a lot of like turn-based or uh, uh, RTS strategy games. Yeah, I remember getting online and playing like the the text games like Usurper and uh, Legend of the Red Dragon. Oh man, those were the pretty pre-internet muds. <laughs> Dude, Brian was telling me recently that that you can still get online somewhere and play those, and I was like, "You're fucking kidding me! I haven't, I haven't played those since, geez, maybe like 1993." <laughs> yeah, because I remember playing some of those on fucking Prodigy. pre-aol internet people yeah yeah pre-aol it was for me i was playing them on a dial-up site running on windows 3.1 and 3.2 uh i was on a it was like i think it was called a bbs 
and it was called FY Iowa. And and that's where I would log on and play those. Oh man. Oh, they were a lot of fun though. And then getting into like the original first person shooters, like Wolfenstein 3d doom Doom and quake. Yeah. 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 Buddy. Oh man. Quake. Quake was so huge, and then fucking Unreal Tournament came out and murdered it. <laughs> See, Unreal Tournament's one I never played. So I, I, I have no I experience got into with it, that one. I got into it a little bit late with, like, uh, UT Gold, uh, and that would have been, like, early 2000s, like 2000, 2001-ish. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I never played that one, but do you remember how good the soundtrack was for that first Quake game? Like, all the video games uh, from, like, that era had amazing soundtracks. They were so fucking metal in, in I, MIDI form. I remember you could take the, the computer, the CD-ROM disc, for Quake and, like, put it in a CD player and listen to, like, the music from it. And I always thought that that was so cool that it, the disc was versatile like that. Oh, yeah. There was, uh, when I bought the, because uh, I didn't have a, this would have been a little bit later on, like, late 90s, but, like, when I... Everybody else had a PlayStation 1. I had an uh, N64. But I ended up uh, getting Final Fantasy 7 for the PC. And there was add-ons to it where you could change a little bit of the graphics quality, but also the sound quality. So you could have the score for the movie either in MIDI form or, like, you know, early version uh, recorded, like, actual orchestral form and everything. And I thought that was so fucking crazy back in the day. Of Like, you could swap between the two. I'm like, oh, my God, the quality, the music sounds so much better. It sounds like real instruments. <laughs> and the music in Final Fantasy VII is really next level, too. I mean, it's Nobu Uematsu, man. He did Final Fantasy for a long time. Yeah, I love Final... Like, that was... I remember getting my youngest son, Liam, on that game, and I showed it to him and showed him, like, the old print st- uh, strategy guide that I had from back then also, and then he went head over heels into that game. Was it the, the official Squaresoft one, or was the uh, Prima strategy guide? No, it was the official one. Yeah, I had the official one, too, but I had another friend who had the Prima official. Remember that? Prima, with their official strategy guide for every game that came out, like, the late 90s? Oh, man. I had the Prima for uh, the original two Pokemon games. Yeah, I don't know if I had any of the Primo strategy guides. I I think I only had strategy guides for a couple of games. There was a there was a computer game that I had that was an RPG that was that was the first one I ever got a strategy guide for. That game was called Stonekeep. Did you ever hear oh, that? Oh sure. Oh yeah, I know Stonekeep. Yeah, that was a fun game. That was like the first computer game that I like played all the way through finished it but it was one where my first playthrough i got hopelessly stuck and then got the strategy guide read through it and realized i fucked up beyond fucked up (laughs) so like you just can't progress exactly so i had to start all over again (laughs) games you know old man yelling cloud over here but games hold people's hands too much these days oh back in our our day when i would walk uphill both ways to school 15 miles (laughs) no shoes but like you could fuck off in a video game to the point where i cannot i cannot progress i have to start over and you spent like 20 hours oh yeah well when i was watching liam play final fantasy 7 he's playing it on the nintendo switch and so he can just like I don't know, like push a button and just make it so like that your limit break just goes at like breakneck speed to refill. Uh, like you can just go to save points and automatically refill all your stuff. 
See, back in our day, it was the original Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. You had to fucking buy some hypers and give those to your characters so yep. that they would take more damage but have their limit break gauge fill faster. Because <laughs> that's how you ground those limit breaks up to your second level three, and then you had to do whatever for individual character to get their level four. Exactly. But, you know, and at first I talked shit about it, and then I was like, you know what? If we would have had that option back in that day to quit or to Oh, we would have abused the fuck out of it. We would have used the fuck out of it. And so really it's just us being salty old guys when we watch them like you know do something on like nes classic on the switch and they're able to like rewind and like back themselves right back out of a pit they just jumped into i think it's (laughs) equal parts that it's half that but i think it is also half of like genuinely it is like we fucking we had to figure this shit out we had to earn it (laughs) we'll see and we and unless you're honing up the money for the fucking strategy guide there were things that you just figured out by happenstance or sometimes never figured out. And back in those days, going back to Final Fantasy VII specifically, there were items that were supposed to have a later on like big use of something that they just ran out of time and budget for. So like you get those tissues from the gold sauce or those 135th scale soldier figures, and they were meant to be something eventually, but they ran out of time. So now they're just still in their early game. And have zero use. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know that little fun fact. Oh, yeah. There was uh, one of uh, Squaresoft, back in the Squaresoft, not Square Enix, their follow-up game, the big RPG game to uh, Final Fantasy VII, or I guess it would have been, I don't know if it was between seven and eight or eight and nine, but it was a game called Xenogears that I have loved for fucking ever. And it's a very long RPG game, and it's all sprite animation, but it has really cool... It's turn-based combat, but it has really cool turn-based combat to it. And it's a very deep story and everything, but, like, like Final Fantasy VII is three discs long, but basically the entire last disc is, like, two and a half hours of quote-unquote cutscene. Oh, wow. And then, like, the final boss, not, like, the final boss fight alone, but, like, the final dungeon to it because they ran out of money and so like what was gonna be another eight hours of gameplay turned into like an hour and a half long of like literally the screen is the various main characters sitting in a chair with murals in the background of like still images of them all talking about what happened in the like the next three months between where you just played and now we're gonna get to the final dungeon (laughs) And it was, like, crazy story bits of, like, the main female in the game who she's been off and on again, an ally and an enemy. She's got, like, ancient goddess powers. And she so she was, like, resurrecting people in villages from the dead. And, like, it's all just people sitting in chairs talking about it instead of you seeing it. <laughs> that was a money-saving device right there. Because <laughs> they completely ran out of budget. <laughs> That's too funny, dude. Um, yeah, the so it, speaking it of like into like a later Metal Gear Solid cutscene, but it's just text crawl and no voice acting. Yeah, that was like um, the Metal Gear Solid game that I totally like went head over heels for was uh, the third one, Snake Eater for PS2. It was so good. Dude, I, wasn't that game the shit? <laughs> when it came out, I was a little salty because it wasn't progressing the story. It was going backwards. Uh-huh. But like a couple hours into the game, I'm like, 
well, I, old, old me needs to shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. I want to sneak through the jungle all fucking day. I, I want to I mess with my camo index and, like, oh my, that game was so... Get in- the fucking fake crocodile head. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Collect all the fucking monkeys. <laughs> Dude, I love that game. That's the one that I keep pushing the kids towards, too. I'm like, one of you needs to get obsessed with Metal Gear Solid and start this over. Here, the here's the strategy you- guide. It tells you the breakdown of where the items are on every fucking level. Enjoy. The fact that you can kill the quiet, the fucking old man sniper dude. Oh, the end. The end. The fact that you can kill him, quiet is in five. But the fact that you can kill the end, like way before you ever encounter him so that you just skip a boss fight is okay. Yeah. Well, and then the, then, so if you do that, if you kill him after that cutscene early in the game, when you get to that level later on where you, it would be the big boss fight across these big three massives, you know, like kind of screens, I think it's three of them. That it, it's that, three that, or four. Yeah. It's three or four or something like that, that he runs around in between. And it's kind of like a sniper one-on-one sniper battle. But instead, there's like just a shitload of soldiers in each screen that you've got to go and maneuver around instead. And that was one of the because I remember I had like several saved files for Metal Gear 2. Yeah. Or Metal Gear Solid 3. And that was one of the ones that I would go back to all the time because that level was so much fun. It sucked ass trying to fight the end. But <laughs> but but it was yeah. much better with with the soldiers. Yeah, because, of course, the option is you can play it the right way and sneak around everybody and try to avoid everything as best you can. Or you can just go on a fucking archer rampage (laughs) and just murder dozens of motherfuckers. But then, of course, the second to last boss, you know, when you have to wade down the river and have to avoid everybody you've killed in the game up to that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of ghosts. A lot of ghosts <laughs> that I had to go past because I was never too good at the sneaking around. Because, yeah, I, with three, I played through the game once without any strategy guide to knowing anything, right? Then I went through it again knowing about the quiet or the end thing, killed him, massacred everybody in the replacement fight. Then got to that part of the river, couldn't get past it, but luckily <laughs> I saved the save file right before the cutscene and everything where you kill the end, or when you have the opportunity to and everything. Luckily, I had the foresight, because I'm like, hmm, something about it, because I didn't have a connection of, like, when you're waiting down that river, of it's all the people you kill, so the more people you kill, the harder that is, right? So I didn't know that, and then killed the end. Then massacred everybody in the replacement fight. Then could not progress because literally it was a fucking. The river became a fucking. They they were a dam. Like, <laughs> yeah, the they, secret to that level is you just keep moving forward. You don't engage anything. You just keep keep the joystick forward the whole time, and you will get through it. Yeah, but the fact that I had killed like forty dudes in a two minute sequence. <laughs> Like, they literally became a dam, like a bunch of beavers placed them there, and I could not progress. And, like, they literally clogged the river to where you can't just keep moving forward, and you just get fucked. <laughs> Dude, I was a completionist. I, 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 There wasn't a character that I left alive. <laughs> There's a version where you killed nobody, and a version where you killed everybody. No, I wasn't skilled enough to do it with killing nobody. Like, I... Nor- I I, I nor just was wasn't. I without a guide. I, I needed guides to get me through some of that. Like, because, yeah, like... You you try, and then, like, once one person sees it, it's like, ah, fucking bust out the fucking Uzi and mow everybody down. 
My favorite was just go and knock on doors and then just take up a stance with the pistol pointing right at head height. And as soon as the door opens, just blow right in the face. (laughs) (laughs) And hide the body in the nearest fucking locker. Yep. Yep. Or drag it out into the tall grass. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh Oh my God. Dude, the, the whole end scene (laughs) <laughs> one of the whole end scenes in my book, I Become Death, I swear is just me replaying Metal Gear Solid 3 in my head. <laughs> it's like, gotta break into this compound and rescue dude. <laughs> you know, thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, thinking about it, yeah. I see it now. <laughs> it's always nice, like, having a bit of behind the scenes of, so what was the inspiration for that? Well. <laughs> <laughs> it had to have been that. <laughs> had to have been this was the like like me saying that out loud it was me realizing wow that's totally what that was hey you know podcast informative fun sometimes therapeutic oh no you kid, never, right <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get on any given episode of any given show oh yeah ain't that the truth <laughs> <laughs> look that's why i Always very happy and excited to come on your show, man. Because my don't worry about the background noise here. I need to replace my vape pen cartridge. <laughs> yeah, no worries, dude. Oh yeah, but, I know. Going oh, into no, that's these... not for you. That's for the listeners. Oh. <laughs> don't worry about the noise and everything. Because I'm always with my show. I'm very particular and very picky about like making sure that I'm not making I'm making as little noise as possible and everything. And then dreading editing everybody else. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, Nobody, I... nobody's audio levels are even at the same. There's background noise and some, and different background noise and other people's. It's a fucking nightmare, man. Like <laughs> I, I, I envy you and your no format show. It does make it really easy to prepare for because really all preparing is is, you know, do you Living. have all the equipment you need? Have you shown up on time? Okay, you're good. Is the other person here? Dandy, <laughs> rock and roll. <laughs> Is everybody capable of speaking in more than one word sentences? Here we go. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, duosyllabic. We're ready. We're ready. Let's get to do it. I was going to say, astute listeners will for sure pick up sounds of my kids shouting in the background occasionally because I have a small house and, you know, with an 11 and a 14 year old, it, it gets loud here sometimes. It is bound to happen. It is the price of entry. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I like like a a cool office with like soundproof walls would be that would that would be like you know that's my my baller scenario <laughs> to where if I was really able to to have something set up the way I wanted like it'd be like yeah a home office with soundproof walls would be perfect for recording get those neat do, little baffle things to put up but make do it you look have a do you have a walk-in closet in your home anywhere no <laughs> well. So I was good. the next question was going to be, how connected to you or your wife are you to it? Because <laughs> you can always replace it with this. Oh, gosh. Whenever I think of somebody recording in a closet, I immediately go back to the days of the Supercast. And there was like one of the latter episodes of the Supercast where they had Yaden on there and he was recording in a, in a, in a, in a closet. And I guess he was just sweating. He was like a sauna in there and they had this sound bite that they saved of him going it's so fucking hot in this closet <laughs> <laughs> did he come oh, out of classic. the closet man he can't be trapped in the closet no <laughs> didn't r kelly have some like 37 part song about being in the closet or something that's what i was referencing yes <laughs> 
he turned out to be a bad guy, huh? Boy, a lot of people turned out to be bad people. Oh, right? I mean, who'd have thought that men in power would have used that for pussy? Or anything else, for oh, that matter. Jesus. But yes, especially for pussy. Yeah, it's 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 really fucking sad. And, like, there were some of those where you'd hear it and you'd be like, Ah, oh, no! It's like, shit, now it's like I'm gonna have trouble enjoying your work because you're a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean, like, Kevin Spacey was that for a lot of people, you know? I yeah, mean, Kevin Spacey for some people... One. For some people, Chris Brown, I never listened to his music, so I don't care. Yeah, same. <laughs> but here's the thing, though, about that. And yet, everybody, universally, almost across the board, everybody can do it with Michael Jackson. Everybody can separate the man from the work. Why yeah. is that? Well, and, Why and, is that? But with the like, Michael Jackson thing, it's still... I Because I, mean, I, I feel like the, it's still... Granted, I haven't gone out and consumed every piece of media and documentary and stuff like that, but wasn't it with it with Jackson? It was like nothing was actually proven. There was it was everything was just kind of still allegations. Yes, there was no evidence to because otherwise, but not that obviously. But even aside from that, the thing of like with the baby when he's holding it off the balcony and everything, right? Like there was so much stuff because. The, I mean, clearly, because of his upbringing and his home life as a child and everything, a lot of issues. It's not like I necessarily blame him for everything, but there was so much there of, like, that was, there was a very troubled person there. Oh, without that, a doubt. That everybody, almost, almost everybody is able to separate the man from the work. And it begs the question of, like, why? Is it because we forgive him because of how much stuff? Or is it just because his work was just that goddamn good? Yeah, but, like, I haven't... I feel I've, like it's the second. I feel like it's the second of just his work is just that goddamn good. Well, that is true, but, I mean, like, the same could be said of, like, Bill Cosby when it comes to comedy. Because he was a comedy genius, but... There's no fucking way I'm going back and listening to, you know, Cosby himself. I don't care how fucking classic it is, especially after watching that that Cosby documentary that was on, I think, Showtime. It's like sure. a four, four point uh, four part doc called We Need to Talk About Bill Cosby. And whoa, yeah. Dude, what a fucking I mean, monster. Just an absolute fucking monster. Yeah, and, absolutely. But that's the thing of like. Again, it's like, no, but, like, Michael Jackson, it's literally like, he's over here, and then there's everybody else with that ability to try to separate. Like, it's just, like, the tier of his work is just that fucking incredible, I feel like, that everybody just goes, yeah, but fucking thriller, man. <laughs> fucking bad. <laughs> like, it's, there's so much there, it's like, fuck, like, it's it connect it connects to everybody in a way that's just like yeah everybody's able to separate and everybody else in the universe is on the rung below or lower and he's just there by himself like yeah we're able we're all able to do it with him but nobody else yeah and like i'm not like the hugest mj fan like by by any means like nor am i like i i tend to like his his earlier stuff a lot better than his later stuff there's certain songs of his where I'm just like, yeah, I can do without that shit. 
Um, but yeah, like like you but mentioned, like Thriller or Bad or Beat It or you know Billy Jean. Like those are those are fucking classics. Yeah, those the are stuff all with Jackson classic. Five. Yeah, but like there's every album, even his later stuff. Every album had a list at least one song that fucking ripped. Like they all did. Now later stuff, not necessarily you know the proportionality of like good to eh started going in the opposite direction but there was always one song that was like fucking s tier on every album <laughs> if the rest of them were like b or lower like there was one s tier in every fucking album you're like that fucking song <laughs> Dude, i remember when i was a kid i found a copy of thriller at a garage sale for like a quarter on vinyl and man, I used to play that album non-fucking-stop. I didn't get into music until I was, like, 12. And, like, what it got me into music was eventually, like... Because uh, I got an older brother who's two and a half years older than me. Uh, so he would have been, you know, 14 and a half or so. Uh, our parents were getting divorced at the same time, roughly, give or take. Um, and, like, my brother started really getting into music because of my dad. And my dad listened to a lot of old classic rock from like the early to mid and late 60s stuff. So stuff from like the band America to like Zeppelin, Rolling Stones and stuff. So like I, by osmosis, got into music for like a lot of classic rock stuff, but still also a little bit rebellious because the first four albums that I bought all on CD, no vinyl, but were Aerosmith Greatest Hits, Queen Greatest Hits. Uh, fuck, I never remember what the third one was. Or it was uh, Zeppelin Two, and then Metallica Master of Puppets. Dude, Master of Puppets is a good one to start with. Like, holy shit. <laughs> well, like, I already knew a couple Metallica songs. Because, like, my brother, because he was, like, in high school and everything, so I got some, like, metal from him and, like, some... At the time, like, you know, uh, alt-rock stuff, like uh, early Green Day and that kind of stuff. So I had a little bit of that in my head already. And, like, Metallica just clicked with me and everything, right? So those are the four first, like, CDs, albums that I ever bought. Yeah, I remember, like, because when I was really little, I got, like like, a stereo system for, like, a birthday or Christmas one year. And it was one of the ones where I had, like, the two tape two tape decks in the front of it and like a turntable on the top and then, you know, like separate speakers and my mom and dad's record collection was really the first stuff that I would go and like pick through and listen to on my own. And like, I really gravitated towards like, uh, dad had a, a black Sabbath. We sold our souls for rock and roll and very nice he had jethro tall original masters sure um god what was some other shit dad had a bunch of foreigner <laughs> also <laughs> foreigner <laughs> and, like fucking fog hat and super foreigner. tramp and shit like yes it was fun. like so like that was a lot of the stuff that i grew up listening to and then my mom had just a shitload of of 45s also and oh i remember she had this one album it was like a full-length album it was called looney tunes and it was just a bunch of weird, like, Dr. Demento type shit. Yeah. Like, it had, had like, Hello Mudda, Hello like, Fada, and shit like that on it. And... Yeah, I had a couple, like, uh, cassette tapes uh, of things like that. At the same time, I'm listening to, like, Teddy Rockspin. 
<laughs> I remember Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> oh, good lord. Those were great because you could actually like put like a, a metal tape or something like that in it and it would... <laughs> <laughs> See, I wasn't in music yet, so I didn't do that stuff, but I definitely had the issue of, like, as the circuitry started going, or more often, when the batteries start dying, and you start slowing down, <laughs> you get the, like, distorted, <laughs> slow talk of stuff, and the sound effects, and, like, the, you know, twinkle, sparkle, ding become, like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! But like man. the the first music I like bought on my own though was it would have been uh, cassette tapes, and I'm pretty sure it was. God, what was it? I think it might have been like Nine Inch Nails, Broken, and Sepultura, Chaos AD. I think I bought those both on the same day. Wow! <laughs> what a first! Uh, what a first buy! Nine Inch Nails. Right. All right. Right. <laughs> Sepakura, all right. <laughs> Lord. Oh, dude. Um, but I mean, there was definitely like other like, because I, I, I never had very much money when I was little because I never had like a paper route or anything like that. And like, I was always big on buying snacks when I was a little, you know, I was a little fat kid. And so I was always big on buying <laughs> snacks and shit like that. And so generally, if it was like, if I was buying music, like, um, God damn, it really I'm had trying to, to think of what it was. Something. Do you remember Rex in Effect? Wow. You hear that? All I want to do is zoom, 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 and you boom, boom. <laughs> I, for, I for sure had that on tape. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it might have just been a single, because a lot of times I would just buy singles, because I didn't have enough money to actually buy the full album. No, you just unlocked a very weird, repressed, not repressed, but like <laughs> forgotten memory in my head. No, like, no, so this would have been my godparents were living in tennessee i believe at the time i think i could be way off here i don't think anybody who would know is listening but we were driving back from the fucking uh, knoxville zoo and like they had an old hatchback that my granddad or my goddad, he father, he was big and he still isn't big into like old cars and everything. He always like has a old Corvette and he constantly will sell them and switch them out or whatever up uh, to this day. Um, but he had an old hatchback, an old station wagon to where the two rear seats faced out the back. <laughs> they were, you know, rear facing instead of front facing. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure it was a Woody. I think it had the Woody on the side of the paneling. <laughs> nice. um, and this would have been like, yeah, mid late 90s or something like that. Um, and me and uh, their daughter, who was my age, they had a da- two daughters. Me and my brother were two and a half years apart. There and their daughters, two and a half years apart. My brother and their oldest daughter are one day apart in birthday. <laughs> Uh, and then their youngest is my age is a month earlier than me. Uh, but so me and her were in the back and we were driving down the highway and there was a lot of road construction on the interstate and that fucking song came on the radio and we heard the first verse of the first bit of the chorus and then quickly changing the station. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez, that unlocked something that I have forgotten for like. 29 years. 
dude, whenever anybody mentions something about a uh, station wagon with the rear facing seats, it reminds me of being a little kid and going to see the Super Mario Brothers movie in the theater with my friend Treyer because his parents had one of those um, station wagons. It was like this weird, like kind of off yellow color and it had the back facing seat in the back. That you know, there's no my way that had, thing could have been. My safe. mom had a gray old mobile. <laughs> I remember the station wagon was fucking huge. It was just like slightly smaller than Ecto One. <laughs> <laughs> you could definitely, if you put the back seats down, you could definitely fit a coffin in there for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not as secure. It's gonna go back and forth, side to side of it, but it's definitely fitting in there. <laughs> yeah. You might want to stop for some ratchet straps. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Get a couple two by fours you put underneath it, you know, to have it raised a little bit, you know, for respect. <laughs> for respect. <laughs> for the dearly departed. Like, you're transporting you a couple in a station wagon. In. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, speaking of Ghostbusters, did you see that new Ghostbusters Afterlife? I've heard very I, good things about it, but I've not seen I it. I have not, but not out of obstinance as earlier. Uh, this is just one of those I haven't gotten around to yet. I keep forgetting it happened. I yeah. really do. It came out last summer, right? Or like something August. like that. It's it's not too far removed, but I remember the first trailer I saw for it with like the dancing miniature Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, and I was like, nope. <laughs> but then like so many of the reviews for it were so good that I was like, okay, I will actually give this one a chance, but. I did see that teaser. I remember the earlier thing of, like, the original, like, reveal. It's not even a teaser, but, like, a stinger thing of, like, we're zooming out, like, the old barn and everything. And then there's the fucking Ecto-1 with the cover on it. And you don't yeah, know yeah. That the wind blows up or whatever because lightning storm and ghost shit. And then you see the license plate and everybody's like, oh, fuck! <laughs> because they got me hyped. I was like, oh, fuck! I mean, even after... I didn't think the the 2016 Ghostbusters movie was bad. I just think it it was average for again me not being like dialed into this kind of humor. Yeah, I still haven't seen that one. That was one where it was coming out, and I was like, "Well, let's wait and see what the reviews say." And none of the reviews were good enough to where it was like. I have a very finite amount of time and there's lots of movies that I'm super movies and shows that I'm stoked to start watching that are still just hanging out on this list. And so it's like, yeah, the, <laughs> that's not going to get bumped by the, that version of ghostbusters. No, thanks. Especially cause that list, we all have that list and that list as you get older, just keeps getting longer it just and keeps eventually getting bigger. And eventually, you know, in your heart, you won't officially take it off the list, but you know, like, that's just a lost one. <laughs> that's just one I'm never going to get to. Like, in 20 years, I still won't have seen it. Like, it, it happens, and it sucks, and it's unfair to some of those movies. You know, probably some of them are justified, but some of them aren't. But it just happens, you know? We all have our fucking lives. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And now it's like, as I've been saying, like, this week, all my free time, it's like I've been rewatching Batman the Animated Series and fucking having a goddamn ball. <laughs> right. Because there's... Because as you get older, at least for me, it becomes a thing of like, do I want to invest time and effort and potential emotional into something that I don't know? Or do I just want to go back to an old standby? 
you know, those good old fucking comfort blankets. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's those like, are nice. I just want the comfort blanket. Fuck it. And that's us just getting old. And that's the old man yells at clouds. And that's the back in my day. <laughs> yells at clouds? <laughs> yeah. That's the old Simpsons thing. The old man yells at clouds. That's, that's a Simpsons joke, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's what I always refer to it as. It's like, that, that's the meme, right? It's the old man yells at cloud. And I'm very much that person these days. <laughs> and I'm not even 40 yet. I had to, I had to step out my front door. Uh, what was it, maybe last year, a couple of years ago, and tell a bunch of kids to get out of my yard that made me feel really old. Like, holy shit, sh- <laughs> spirit of shooty, please guide me in this moment. Oh, dude, it was so annoying, though. There's like a stop sign that's like probably, I don't know, 25, 30 feet away from my front door. And it was nice out. And so we had all the, wi- all the you know, the windows open. And I'm just hearing this like weird, like electronic motor sound, like a motor like revving up. And then like a banging sound and then like another banging sound over and over again. And I'm like, what the fuck is all this noise? And so I get off the couch and I look out the door and there's two kids in like an electronic like Jeep that they just keep going in reverse about five feet and then forward and then just slamming it head first right into the pole on the stop sign. Just head on collision over and over again. While at the same time, another kid's taking either a basketball or a volleyball and bouncing it off the stop sign. And so, so I look out I the door and I'm like, I'm like, get out of here. My concern would be that they're causing themselves brain damage. But I think that moment's passed a while ago. <laughs> oh, shit, right? And so I'm like, get out of here. And they're like, you don't know on the sidewalk. And I'm like, go play in your own fucking yards. <laughs> get out of here. Bitch, I am more of it than you do. Go be noisy somewhere else. <laughs> look, yeah. Earlier when I was talking about my lack of backyard space and I have that tiny little patio and then it's a retention pond. You know what's on the other side of that retention pond? <laughs> what's that? A junior high school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's literally, no, literally, like, I'm looking at it right now. I just pulled my curtain to the side slightly and I'm looking at uh, windows into classrooms that still have lights on. I don't know why. It's a fucking Friday, people. Fucking go home. Enjoy your weekend, for Christ's sake. But it's also where all the buses line up at the end of the day. And lately, because of winter and everything, this is going to change. But, like, during the off-season for my job, I get home early. Again, like I told you today, I was home before – or I was home by, like, quarter after one today. But I wake up at quarter after five. So – um, but so the noise is always there during the school year. It's nice during the summer because there's no fucking kids. Although, occasionally, there are random fucking high school-age kids running around – back there it's weird but like every so often i do with the curtain still drawn so i have the window open so they can hear me if i yell loud enough but they can't see where it's coming from directly or who is doing it i will just yell out at them get the fuck out of here (laughs) run it's old man hefner Oh, absolutely. Look, you, you've you seen me angry. I was just going to say, he has anger issues. <laughs> Look, all the buses are there, and I'll tell you, because going back to the whole, when you saw me in the traffic situation and everything, <laughs> sometimes when coming home during the school year, because the street that I drive down to then turn left to go to my fucking house and everything... It's crammed full of cars picking up the children after work during, like, the 
late or the the late spring, early summer before the their school year ends or at the beginning of the school year, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, post summer and like September and everything. And it's a fucking nightmare because, like, the crossing guard's there. There are cars lined up on both sides of the streets waiting to pick up their children from work because some of them have been there for an hour and a half. And there's still another 20 minutes before they get out of fucking school. Ugh, that's terrible. And there's a crossing guard trying to, like, tell me, nope, you can't go straight. And I literally have to roll down the window and go, I fucking live here! (laughs) (laughs) And I will literally just step on the gas and be like, Move or get run over. I don't care right now. Dad, dude, my, my kids have been homeschooled since the beginning of the, you know, basically the beginning of this COVID shit. So quite a while now. And uh, that's one hey, of the things that the way, I don't miss at all is school way, drop off and pick up. Happy two year anniversary for us, at least here in Illinois. March uh, 18th, 2020 was the shutdown day. That's right. It has been about two years fucking even now, hasn't it's it? It's been for me two years to the day. Happy anniversary of fuck. <laughs> I know, dude. If, I mean, it's it's really highlighted over the last two years how people will choose the death and sickness of others over even like a a, a perceived inconvenience, not even something that's real. Because you cannot convince me that wearing a mask is a real inconvenience. Like, get the fuck out of here with that. You're just being, you're just being obtuse. Obtuse. Okay, Absolutely. That's, like, it, that's, no, no, that's a very, that's a far kinder word <laughs> than is deserved by anybody who this applies to. It's, it's a dildonic as fuck. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, I I don't understand it at all, and it's it's I don't know it's Look, it's wild. Pre-COVID, I have had customers who make me wear a mask into their home because they're old or like I'm at a fucking retirement home. <sighs> yeah, I don't, that's something that should really be normalized. That you know the that's... common the common cold is something that's going to happen if you have a cold and you have to go about your business because you know it's just a cold. Just put on a fucking mask. It's it's gonna cut down the amount of people that catch that cold, but it's like some, for some people, that's that is a bridge too far. And it is a hill they're willing to, <laughs> for some fucking reason, die upon. <laughs> yeah. Or more importantly, make someone else die upon it for them. Uh, and, and that's the sad part, right there, is that you know, yeah. and, and the irony the atti- of it. it of, the of, attitude boils down to this. It's a, well, I'm not going to be the one that dies from it, so fuck everybody else. Yeah. Well, that and the irony of it, of the the people who are, are you know, pro-life, but will use the my body, my choice argument when it comes to a mask or a vaccine or something like that. And it's just, look, the, the, mental, gym, the mental gymnastics you have to go through to make that thing okay, but uh, whatever. It's Look, those pro-life people, they were already doing, like, pretty hardcore mental gymnastics like someone like me and you would look at and go never <laughs> on my best day of my entire fucking life you're absolutely right now haunting you're like wow how are you not getting the olympic gold like it's insanity yeah it's 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 a fucking crazy world dude it, it really makes me think that if a zombie apocalypse did happen there would be people who just willfully walk right into it like yeah. nope nope 
<laughs> it really has put into perspective the like decades of horror tropes where like, well, you're just fucking stupid. Nobody would fucking do that. And then the last two years, like, wow. <laughs> Turns out they like, would. <laughs> more people than not, apparently, would fucking do that. It's sad, man. It's it's really fucking sad. It's um, unbelievable. It defies It's a like, you know. A lot of people, at least in some of my friends' circles, have always joked about, like, Darwinism and everything, right? And the Darwin Awards has always been a thing since, like, internet culture. <laughs> yeah, existed, absolutely. Like, <laughs> and, like, you sit there and go, like, wow. They're just some... You you think of those people then, pre-COVID, as, like, wow, there's just some, some extreme, weird, way-off-the-reservation fucking fringe cases. But this has put the... Led, removed the filter of normalcy from normal people's eyes just went oh no you're all that fucking crazy holy shit how are we still alive as a species <laughs> like what what it's it's wild dude it's it's it i don't know it's it's really wild it's have you noticed lately that a lot of the conservative talking points have exactly mirrored the talking points coming out of the Kremlin? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? How are these people, the fucking like these boomers and stuff that grew up during this age where it was you had to go and hide under your fucking desks to practice for like nuclear fallout drills? I had to do that in first grade. <laughs> and and now it's like you're like well, Russia's just defending their own. They're just taking back what's like, get the fuck out of here with that argument. How the fuck are you siding with Russia in this, you lunatic? It's like, it's just, again, the mental gymnastics people will do in order to legitimize for themselves and only for themselves whatever they have to in order to make themselves sleep well at night. Like, it doesn't, nothing else matters. Literally nothing else matters. At all. At all. Yeah. They're just taking back what is theirs. You mean what is theirs when they annexed all those territories and nations in the time where they were your sworn fucking enemy? Here's the wildest part to me is that Ukraine signed a treaty with Russia giving up the arms that they, the nuclear arms that they had left over from the Soviet Union. With Russia saying, you're giving up all these arms to us under the agreement that we will never, ever invade you. And then they go and fucking invade them. It's like, Look, what the are... fuck? How, how is this conflict? St I mean, it's condemned by almost every country in the world. Wasn't there like less than 10 countries that sided with Russia in the UN? And this shit's still going on. It's just, it's fucking mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, I've had plenty of conversations about this. But the thing is, that period of time from like, the late for like post end of world war two until like 94 there was a weird thing where like everybody was sick and tired of like international global world wars because twice twice it happened in 30 years you know what i mean and so like there was just insane stipulations and things that people did on both sides of the table whether insane demands or the lunacy of agreeing to them japan at the end of world war ii they signed a thing and this was something that was around until like 2012 or something like that 
where the treaty they signed with us on the USS Missouri battleship at the end of World War II to end it finally said we give up the sovereign right to declare war. We give up the right to have a army. We can maintain a self-defense force, but nothing more. And that persisted for 60-plus years, almost. God, I, I really hope humans reach an evolutionary point that... that they just say no more of this shit. And I, I hope stuff that like what is going on right now has a reverberation that carries over because the amount of people that, you know, are rightly very upset with Russia for just invading and doing what they're doing in Ukraine right now, pretty fucking similar to what Israel's doing with Palestine. And there, hasn't, mean, there hasn't been a huge outcry and sanctions thrown down on Israel over that. And so, I mean, there's, there's plenty of instances where, you know, people are decrying this thing in Ukraine while conveniently not looking at other atrocities. And it's like, fucking end it all. End it all. We all have this common ground that we should be able to reach all as human beings that all share this planet and, you know, want to see a better future for our children. Clearly, fucking war and violence is not going to get us that future. We all want it to be Star Trek, but it's going to end up Mad Max. I mean, that's what it feels like, especially the shit yeah. with, with Russia keep getting pushed further and further into a corner with all these uh, economic sanctions from all over the world. I mean, it, it really feels like it needs to come down to either somebody on the inside is going to remove Putin somehow, or that fucking maniac's going to push a fucking button. And at that point, we better hope his fucking nuclear arsenal is in as bad a shape as their fucking tanks and stuff. It become it comes down to either one person has to flinch or nobody does and we all die. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's something that freaks me out. And also with you know with two boys that you know Aiden's yeah, like four years away for having to sign up for that. Gonna, yeah, what kind of future are they going to have to inherit from you with shit that you had nothing to do with? They had nothing to do with, but here the fuck we are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's I'll tell you, it is one of many many reasons but it is a significant factor to why i have no intention of ever having children maybe if i find the right person settle down i'll adopt but not having children yeah i mean i can respect it i'm definitely not one of those people that that thinks that oh you gotta have kids it's like mm, there's billions and billions of us on this planet you know even I'm if good. you are religious like mission accomplished we have gone forth hey, and multiplied I'm my brother he's had two daughters so the genetic line of my heritage will continue i'm fine with being an evolutionary dead end i'm all okay with that because let's be real he's an actual like adult and functioning person and everything and then there's me over here i glance around my room surrounded by fucking kaiju and godzilla <laughs> well from from my grandfather's line on the Stark side, I'm like, it's mostly females. It's me and, and one other dude and the other dude, my, my cousin, who's, who's, you know, the, the other male on the Stark side, he's gay. So I don't know if he's going to have kids or not someday, or if he does, maybe they'd adopt or I, I don't, or use a surrogate. I don't know. But even with right, right now, it's like I was the only one to carry on the next generation of the Stark name, at least from Grandpa's line. 
there is something very fascinating to me, and I heard this a long time ago on a podcast, and I can't remember what podcast I heard it on, but it was a every. It's weird to think about, but it's a fascinating, like, weird kind of actual fact of like every gener every female of every family generation is theoretically the last in their name's line because traditionally at least in western culture you take on your the male's name yeah right so it's you know if your last name a, a heritage of thousands of years of you know anderson or some variation thereof that is amalgamated into anderson over the years and everything and then your parents your father anderson had one child, and it was a female. You get married, and it's a, let's assume it's a happy marriage that doesn't end in divorce, and you don't reclaim your name or anything, and then therefore your child doesn't if they choose to, right? That name ended there with you. Mm-hmm. That's weird, right? That's weird to think of. Like, the genetics don't, but the name. Yeah, the name ends there, just because we follow the, the patriarchal line, right? Yeah, that's weird fucked up and like there's so much of that kind of stuff in like our species history that is fascinating in a very isolated microcosm way no it's really true because you know i think of myself as a stark but really i'm also let's see i'm also a liston i'm also a crane i'm also a daubenberger I've got a McIntyre like four generations back. Hmm. Think you're related to Reba? No, I. <laughs> so, no, so like, no. Fuck you. No, no. <laughs> no, because I checked this. <laughs> I love it. Being, first of all, McIntyre super common the uh, family name, and by the way, for them, but. Because I knew I learned that that four or five generations back there was a McIntyre on my dad's side because I had to in like freshman year of high school whatever do for a class project a family tree thing right mm-hmm. everybody at some point has that in American history in schooling right oh yeah so because of that and I knew of Reva McIntyre not because of her singing her show hadn't come out her sitcom wasn't around yet and not because of her singing but because. Tying back to me, because of course me, she's in Tremors. <laughs> Does Tremors count as a kaiju movie or no? Yes, we've already covered it on the show. I was thinking that you'd covered it and I'd listened to it, but you've done yeah. so many episodes now that I don't remember them all. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're close to 160 episodes. I, I have in the hopper over 160 episodes, but currently we're on like what's released, like 155. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but still no dude, where's my car? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Don't make me leave this and end this podcast real abruptly. <laughs> I don't need that shit. I'm tired of hearing that shit. <laughs> because it is on episodes. We will cover that movie on the podcast if fucking Eric can get either Ashton Kutcher, Sean William Scott, or Elizabeth Shue to appear on the show for that episode. Fuck. That, that's a heavy if. if <laughs> those can those get people got shit going on. on. Yeah, that's what I, but that's why, right? 
because there's no way it's gonna happen but i just need to surreptitiously invite everybody from your show onto here and then at the last minute be like so we're talking dude where's my car hey where'd dan go <laughs> 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 Look, I will leave and stay gone, not just because of my principles, but also to maintain the bit. <laughs> oh, that's too good. <laughs> and I will listen to that episode with me not on it and laugh the whole way through. And be like, see, they got it all out over here, so it's not going to be on my show. Uh, me and Janine talked about that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. We just Monday recorded an episode with both Eugene and Rebecca on the show talking about when dinosaurs ruled the earth from 1970. Oh, it's fun. a bad movie. Watch <laughs> One Million Years BC instead, because that has Raquel Welch in it. Oh, dude, I'm still scarred from the last dinosaur movie you had me watch. Look, look, that movie is priceless in its own way. You might not appreciate <laughs> it because you haven't been swimming in this soup for 30 years like I have. <laughs> The last dinosaur with the oh, bad guy from old from from uh what is it, Big Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Richard Boone. You ding dong <laughs> I love it when they make the trebuchet and they throw the big rock at the dinosaur's head. Not a trebuchet, a catapult. A catapult, there you go. And, and like, you can see it hit the foam head. <laughs> oh, it dents that head all the way and it falls over. You're like, yeah, no, it should be dead. But then it gets back uh, up in reverse footage. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. But by the way, you are, uh, we are next week starting our next batch of 20 episodes. Uh, so that's week one uh, on episode 11. You're back on for Godzilla 2000. You're going to be on a Godzilla movie. <laughs> nice. Yeah, shoot me, shoot me the date for that whenever it's going so I get it on the schedule right away. Because uh, <laughs> I knew I had one coming up, but I was like, yeah, he'll bring it up with me. Uh, let's see. So Power Rangers season three is the weekend of C2E2. And you are one, two, three, four, five weeks back. So five weeks before C2E2. Okay, cool. So probably sometime in July. Gotcha. Whatever that is. Yes. <laughs> that works. Whatever the fuck that be. I, maybe 4th of July-ish weekend. Just based on what you just said about the mental math. Sure, why not? <laughs> That'll be fun. Well, I, I kind of did a Godzilla a with you. Time. That was the the Mecha Gods Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla two, right? Yeah, but like this is an old, uh, a better Godzilla movie. It's a dumb movie, but it's a fun movie. <laughs> nice. I'm looking this, forward to it. This was their answer. So 1998 was when the American Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie came out. That they Toho had signed with uh, TriStar a three picture deal. The movie came out. It was while it financially made a boatload of money it's still like in the top three most or top three or four most like financially successful godzilla movies ahead of every single toho godzilla movie see i remember but, that one by the soundtrack there was like uh some puff daddy song with oh like yeah a, with jimmy page from led zeppelin yes me. and it was just the cashmere fucking chorus yep <laughs> There was that, uh, Ben Folds 5 is on there, uh, H320, uh, uh, Brain Sue from uh, Green Days remix with Justin Godzilla Roar in the background a, pair, a couple times. Oh, nice. Jamiroquai with Deeper Underground, fucking uh, Rage Against the Machine is in there. Ooh, which Rage, Against, which Rage Against the Machine tracks on it? No Shelter. Oh, nice. 
Can't go wrong with Rage Against the Machine, dude. Those first three albums are the shit. Fucking kills, man. Fucking closes out the original Matrix movie. Oh, yeah, with Wake Up. It was fantastic. Fuck, yeah. And then they did, like, a, a cover of Wake Up to close out the new Resurrections. Boy, was it not good. <laughs> I know, you and I had a fun text thread right yeah, after that so came that's out. that's the thing I wanted to say. Behind the scenes, that's how this episode kind of happened. Because <laughs> I talking finally about watched uh, Matrix, the new Matrix movie, and I was uh, going back and forth with you on uh, Facebook Instant Messenger about it and everything. I was like, yo, I need to be on the podcast. We need to talk about that movie. You're like, all right, so how does March 18th sound? I'm like, cool, why not? <laughs> I know that's the schedule. And it's like now it's like if I schedule somebody for an episode, it's like, huh, how's your schedule looking in three months? I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude, but and that's the same thing with our sign up with the podcast, right? Because you're not gonna be on for Godzilla two thousand until July. Yeah, and and yeah, I signed up for that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's but no, be a it's fun the... movie. But so that movie, Godzilla two thousand, was again, uh with the Matthew Bowderick movie, it was supposed to be a three picture deal with uh, American TriStar. Oh, okay. But after the financial success, but the critical panning of the movie, Toho had went Nope, we're tearing that contract up real quick. And less than like a little over a year later in 1999 was Godzilla 2000. And it released in American uh, theaters. It was the first Toho Godzilla movie I saw in theaters. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, and it's silly fun. It is what (laughs) you want it to be. It is what you think of when you think of Godzilla, Godzilla movies of like someone like you of like, the 70s, goofy, low budget, really stupid, but a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm looking forward to watching that one, dude. I've never seen that one. It is silly, but it's good. <laughs> he has another monster. He fights in it. There's a weird Superman reference of Great Caesar's ghost in there. Oh, fun. <laughs> it's fun. The dub is ridiculous but i kind of i appreciate the dub more than the subtitle version yeah yeah i, I kind of go back and forth on that it, it all depends because it's like i don't mind reading subtitles at all because really it's like our house is always so loud with the kids that we always have subtitles on anyway on pretty much I everything like, we watch for a while no kids but i went through a phase where i'm like i like the subtitles on so i know what everybody's saying but it became distracting for me no, in, a it, non, in a non-foreign language format. <laughs> yeah, it can be distracting at times, especially when um, when it doesn't match up with what they're actually saying. Because sometimes they're completely fucking off. Yo, it's like, let me what tell the hell you, is this? Let me tell you, as a kaiju movie fan, like when a lot of stuff was first becoming in like DVD and Blu-ray format, what would always happen is that you would have the dub version, which we were used to because it was previously in VHS format, and that was our first exposure to it, right? For mm-hmm. most of us, anyway. And then, like, it would come out in DVD, and, oh, it has the original Japanese audio track, but the subtitles are just the dub. <laughs> and so at times, you're like, yeah, no, that's not what he's saying. Definitely not, because you're just reading, like, it's not, no, I know they didn't one for one this. <laughs> God, sometimes those dub voice actors are just the fucking worst also. That was a thing with the uh, 90s Godzilla movies was that all the dubs were done by the same Hong Kong group. And there was like five people. <laughs> See, I hate it when it's like something really emotional going on 
and you can just tell that the person reading it in is just reading a script. It's, it's a like, real no, Harrison Ford. No, not my brother. He it's is dead. Real, it's oh. a real what Harrison Ford had to do the like uh dub overs for the first uh home video release of the original Blade Runner. Do you remember that cut? No. No, Blade Runner is one of those ones that I still need to go back and rewatch. I know I watched it once on like VHS eight, in like, like the eight 90s. fucking versions of the movie. <laughs> well, I know for sure I watched it on VHS back in the 90s, but God knows how stoned I would have been. So, I mean, like, I don't remember it at all. Like you do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, like, one of the versions, because, like, there was a theatrical version, but, like, they also, for, like, home video, I don't remember if it was home video or, like, a cut version of what they wanted to do for the, no, it was the first home video release. They had moments in the movie where, like, Harrison Ford is just doing, like, dub over dialogue that wasn't in the original version of the movie to explain, like, at the end of, like, it turns out that she was given, uh, she was created without a lifespan, so she would live a normal human lifespan. <laughs> like, at the end at the end of the fucking movie, when they're driving and it's the reused uh, footage of, like, the car on the road in the forest from fucking Legend. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that's frustrating though, and it's yeah, like, because he, it's like, come on, you got one was, job here, dude. You're reading. Well, Put some emotion into it. For Harrison Ford with Blade Runner, it was a he thought it was a terrible idea, so he specifically deadpanned it in hoping that like they would be so adverse to it that they wouldn't use it, but they used it anyway. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's when your plan plan absolutely backfires, and it just looks like you suck. <laughs> I mean, it, it was very quickly circulated, like, oh, he did that on purpose. Okay. That seems <laughs> yeah, like a like very the, Harrison Ford take, right? <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, like the, the 90s, the Hayes era for the from Ghidorah 91 through Destroy 95, including the movie You Were On the Dub, yeah, was very much that of the, like, we have five people in this Hong Kong dub team that we use for this entire run and they're all terrible. <laughs> it's not that they're necessarily terrible. They, they certainly don't have any feeling or context behind a lot of the times. And for me, especially what was really annoying was that you would have again, multiple. Okay. The, you know, on this movie four of the five were used in this movie, a different four of the five were used, right? So they have like, you would get these people who he's the lead character and also these five supporting characters, a lot like what you do with like anime dubs and everything. And that's kind of what they were used. To. That's why they were used for it. Cause they were anime dub voices in Hong Kong, but like there's no emotion there. And sometimes because they had out of the five people, two females and this one sometimes wasn't the same voice on the next movie. So you had, the one, the psychic girl that uh, in Mechagodzilla 2 that's in the <laughs> Mechagodzilla to find the fucking ass brain to uh-huh. shoot it out and kill it and they kill him and everything. The ass brain. <laughs> that's because he has two heads, right? Two or two brains, remember? Remember, think back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One is at the base of the spinal column, the ass yeah, brain. <laughs> it's the ass brain. That's what we've all always called it, is the Heisei reversion ass brain because it's only in that one movie they never try to do that again <laughs> there's two more movies and they never once go let's try that ass brain that's not a giant pterodactyl to try to 
revive him this time. <laughs> they don't bother doing it. Uh, but so, funny. like, in in the movie that you watch, she's one voice actress. In the previous movie, she's a different one. Okay. And that's a problem, because it's the same actress on screen, same character on screen, different voice actress. <laughs> like... <sighs> that would make it a little confusing. For me, it wasn't ever confusing. It was annoying. <laughs> because I recognized what was happening. And I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, man. <laughs> I am looking forward to our next batch of episodes and everything. I'm glad. I'm always happy to have you on our show. And I, as much as I'm happy to have me on your show. <laughs> Yeah, no, dude, I always enjoy recording those with you because I know I'm going to watch something that I'm probably not going to enjoy, but I'm going to have a lot of fun talking about it with you guys. <laughs> Look, sometimes it's just so bad it's good. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's absolutely true. That's what I usually, not the last time, but usually in your previous stuff, try to shoot for. Because for me, Last Dinosaur is a so bad it's good. It's terrible. Duh. But <laughs> it's a, there's a tandem horse triceratops in the movie. <laughs> it is a terrible movie. But for me, it's so bad it's good. But, you know, sometimes I lose the perspective. And that's why the show is important, to have Eric and T and Amanda, and then our various guests on. of like, right, I'm in this world, right? Like, I'm in this <laughs> bubble, but other people aren't. <laughs> yeah, truth. <laughs> it's important to have that reminder, but, oh, that's what the rest of the world sees. <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs> oh, dude, I've had the best time talking with you again. I really appreciate you coming on. Oh, always, man. Is is this the end? Pretty is much. That, we're, we're at two hours. We're, we're landing it, yeah. <laughs> All right. So if we could land this better than having to land the F-14 on the NES uh, Top Gun game. <laughs> Thank you for knowing that reference. <laughs> right. It's impossible. You can't do it. It never works. Dude, there were some of those NES games where I swear they just fucking wrote them so it was like, meh, we're only going to write this up to three levels because it's impossible to get past level three anyway, so fuck it. Because they were all on the mindset still of, like, arcade quarter-based game. Of, like, make the difficulty a ridiculous so you just feed the fucking machine constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, especially, yeah, the, the arcade. They're just designed to steal quarters from kids. <laughs> And, like, games back then were just made in that mindset still. Even though, like, it's not in an arcade format, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. But, dude, I always love talking with you, man. Whether it's on here, on my show, or just on, like, Messenger or whatever. You, you always bring a delightful, jolly christmas yuletide-like energy to any conversation i think you said i'm like santa <laughs> yes you have that like no i feel about infectious that laugh. i do giggle a lot i don't know i've always been like that and sometimes yeah. i'm self-conscious about it but it's like well no let, know, let me just... tell you as a person who doesn't giggle we need to live through people like you 
Because you remind us of, like, what happiness is. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Part of it is with me, it's like... Ah, fuck. I, I don't even really know. I don't even think about it. I know properly how to explain it. That's fine. Just fucking but, work diarrhea that shit out. But but it's it's like... Fuck, I don't know. My fucking vodka's caught up with me at this point, too. So I don't know. Hey, man, much I'm going to have about. beers and some bourbon in right now. So. <laughs> I like to get turned the fuck up when I'm on your show because I don't have to worry about editing. Oh, right. I don't have to worry about fucking shit. But no, I think with me, it's, it's the, you know, there's so many things in the world that can, you know, like really, really bring you down to where it's. At a certain point, you got to accept that you can't control anything that's happening around you, but you can try to control the way you're going to react to it. And, you know, if you can get to a point where you can laugh at about just about anything, then I think that's a really good leg up on getting past tough spots. You you'll know? you'll be happier in life for sure. Yeah. If, if not, you'll put a facade out like you are. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, speaking of the person who doesn't even attempt the facade, <laughs> like, let me tell you, I know you're happier than I am in life. <laughs> I know your life is much better than mine. <laughs> I mean, fuck, that's got to be all relative, but, but... It is, but, you know, speaking for my position, I can acknowledge. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely a glass-half-full person for the most part. I mean, I definitely, you know, like anybody else, I have days where I'm really upset and pissed off at, at everything but i i try everyone, to everyone I, has low moments the yeah yeah and anymore i've been really trying to do a thing where when things piss me off i try and detach myself from it and like almost look at it from like an outside perspective well why did that make you upset joe what was that was it a challenge to your ego is that why you got mad hmm, Let, let's look at this Tell a little more. bit deeper you know and then sometimes i'll find out that oh that was just a knee-jerk reaction to you know like a, a a challenge of the ego of some sort and then it's a turns into a growing experience but you can like oh okay log that away you know when <laughs> when this thing happens your knee-jerk reaction is to react this way and it's because of this reason and it's all in your mind so therefore the next time it happens if you can be cognizant of that you can push past it and maybe grow as a person see and for a person like me to be able to do that is what I use on my once, maybe twice a year take psychedelics. <laughs> God, at this point, it's been over half a lifetime since, or no, it was <laughs> the last time I took, I can pinpoint down to the day. It was April 27th, 2002. Wow. Cause I, cause I ate way too many mushrooms and had a bad trip and thought I was going to die. So I thought that was the number that oh, was going to be chiseled on my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and in man. retrospect, it's so fucking funny that it's like, you thought you were going to die on mushrooms, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've never, I've never had a bad trip. And it's because like, I never with psychedelics, I never get like the crazy visual stuff for the most part, because my brain is like, because I'm right uh, or a left hand, I'm right brained. So like, I'm very analytical with stuff. So I reason away anything I'm seeing hmm. and then it just falls away. And so I just have like the like body high and sensation and mind feel of it. But um, this is going to be my last and we can we can end after this. No, you're doing good, dude. It's OK. Good. <laughs> this is a story I like to tell people a lot of times is um, 
When I was 25, so this would have been 12 years ago. Jesus Christ, it's been that long. Hold on. I had to die a little bit inside there. <laughs> um, a friend of mine had brought back, uh, for me and like two other people, some uh, cactus, actual like, you know, uh, uh, branches, if you will, of cacti to make into peyote. And he gave us strict instructions of like turning it into a tea of like chopped up into uh, slices about an inch thick and then put that in a pot of water of two gallons of water and slow boiled that to a slow simmer over a period of like 18 to 22 hours and then put the slices into a freezer so that like the extra bits would crystallize on the end and freeze and everything. You can munch on them and everything went through this whole fucking process, right? made the tea drank the tea so like a gallon over a gallon of it in the end over like an hour and a half just drank it and everything and then was in my room i was living in an apartment with my buddy nick in skokie he was out of town for the weekend so i was like ooh, perfect time to do it right i'll be all by myself for some people not a good idea for me i already knew what i was gonna experience to some degree so i was safe but if it's your first time have a buddy who's not doing it (laughs) uh and then sat there in my room for like two and a half three hours bordering on like between three and four hours and in my mind i just sat there and went man i don't i think i fucked it up fuck and then in my head and out loud i heard not me saying it but out loud i heard i'm gonna back away from the mic because here's me doing some voice like of course you fucked it up you damn idiot <laughs> and i look over to my wall because in my bedroom i had three big posters in my room at the time i still have them two of them are downstairs and one is over my bed right now that i'm looking at uh it's a poster of 20 years of megatron 20 years of optimus prime and a <laughs> uh, reprint of the american version the original 1954 godzilla movie and so I look over to where what I just said came from, and Megatron steps out of the fucking the poster and onto my dresser. Damn. And starts berating me. <laughs> and then Optimus Prime comes out, like talking to you know, talking shit back to him, because of course he is, out of the poster on the other side of the wall, steps on my other dresser. And then like two minutes later, Godzilla comes out from the paint from the poster behind me and drops down on my bed, and I go, Oh, so this clearly worked, and now we're in it. <laughs> now we're in it. <laughs> and it's what I always do with, like, when I'm tripping is I do – it's all used for me for introspection, analyzing, self-reflecting, coming up with a six-month to one-year plan. Nice. Just figuring out your shit because that's <laughs> what it should be for, right? Is, like, you know, gaining balance within yourself if you're out of balance and everything. I'm like, oh, perfect. I got the uh, ego of Megatron. I got the super ego of Optimus Prime. I have the id of Godzilla. Here we go. The three parts of my psyche. All right, let's have a confab for the next eight hours. <laughs> See, I never ever had any uh, like uh, hallucinations like that. Like in, but there was only that twice is- where I took what I would call like a heroic dose. <laughs> and, and, and even those times, those were the times that I had the most intense visuals I ever had. But nothing ever like that, like something stepping out of a poster and talking to me. There wasn't any, like for me, it was all like, 
every surface I looked at was like breathing and everything was moving. Venetian blinds were simultaneously getting wider yeah, and, and taller and you know. motion blur and uh, what we call uh, tracers of like you know, yeah the light. tracers big time yeah exactly and yeah. like and that's, I, that's it for me all the other times I've ever done anything but this was because I apparently did it right and prepared it properly and everything and drank the whole fucking thing in one hour and a half sitting or whatever like this was you you talk about heroic dose and this is like epic legendary like top tier <laughs> fucking all the best raid gear fucking mode oh my gosh um i know tristan brown i had him on <clears throat> several weeks ago and he talked about going down to uh peru and doing a an ayahuasca retreat down there and man the stuff that he talked about he that's did where, uh, that's where my buddy brought the cactus back from dude he um uh he did a, a patreon episode on pcl and brian and i talked with him about it and like he really went in depth on that episode talking about what the visuals were like and stuff but with him he had to like really he had to keep his eyes closed to like see those things but the stuff that he was describing was that was next level and for me yeah. i'm like Ooh, i might be too scared to do that because <laughs> i went yeah. i went really far down the rabbit hole too far down the rabbit hole the last time i touched the stuff and now it's like well now i'm an, I'm an adult i'm a dad the day I've, I, I've got a job and all this stuff. I mean, like back in the day when I did this stuff, you know, I was still going to school for graphic design. I was jockeying a register at a convenience store, like a grocery store I'm before that. Be you know? Exactly. So it was like, you know, that's the time to do that stuff. And, and now it's like, eh, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, i'm okay like, with my my cranberry and vodka right now, you know? well and again different strokes for different folks and you got a different situation for me like you know you're married you have two children and everything you know so like i'm not married i don't have children thank god so like i try to still do it like once maybe twice a year i try to at best do it at halloween that was an old tradition for a few of us and everything was we would do mushrooms on halloween uh, so I try to, in my own way, keep that alive to some extent with, you know, measures of success and failure at that attempt <laughs> over the years. Look, it's been a long time, right, since we did it as a group and whatnot. But every once in a while, I try to. And again, I just use it not as like, oh, well, crazy, but just try to like introspect and like refl self-reflection and think back and like, OK, how have things been? What's really bothering you right now in the last six months? Let's really get to the root of that. Use it as a tool to really kind of like work my, so my way through some fucking shit and then come up with the like a, all right, so where where do we want to be in half a year from now, a year from now, you know? And Yeah. Well, I think that's easier. a great way to look at it too. Yeah. It's easier in the last few years because it's mostly just like, all right, what are we trying to do? Just fucking maintain, man. What? Like we're in a good place. Everything's going all right. There's some ups and downs, but that's going to happen. And I always tell you know, people this is like, you know, life is going to have up and ups and downs. It's not about the amplitude. It's about the median. Shoot for the middle. Aim for that average, that middle. If you can go through your life as an adult and be like 50 to 51% or higher was positive, you're all right. That's not a, that's not a life wasted, man. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Try try and put more positive than negative into a, into yeah. the situation if you can. Just average fifty point one percent. You're all right. You're okay. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, dude, this has been a blast talking with you. Where can people find you? Oh, man. On Twitter, you can find me at Med- Mighty Megatron Zero. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, you know, on Facebook, y'all can find me in various places. Uh, podcast, obviously, Leftover Army Monsters, Giant Podcast, All Out Attack. We're part of the larger Leftover Army Podcast feed. Just look for episodes that start with L-O-M, all capitals at the beginning, and that's us. Uh, with my, of course, great co-hosts, Eric uh, Maribel, Amanda Albers, and Tara Gibson, and various guests like, oh, I don't know, you from time to time on there. Yeah, very fun show, super informative. You put a lot of homework into it, and it really shows with the amount of, of information you bring for each and every one of these things. It depends on the episode. We have lately been hitting into a lot of areas where, like, I haven't seen this movie before. I've known about it for over 20 years, but never got around to it. And then once the podcast started, I'm like, I'll hold off. (laughs) Your introductions at the beginnings of the episodes are always so informative, though. I appreciate, you know, people like you, my buddy Chris, uh, uh, Chris Edwards as well. Like, y'all, when you say that kind of thing, it makes it worth it for me. Because, yeah, I put I put some effort into all of our introductions. The My opening little, like, mini intro thesis or primer. And then everybody's individual introductions for each episode and everything. Like, I'm your host through the blah, 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 blah. Dad Hefner, I go through with everybody. Like, it takes a little bit of time. It's not like a shit ton of time, but, like, it's some time. There's thought in there and everything, and I appreciate when people, guests, or viewers appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja. Thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been StarkCast. Deuces. <laughs>